put the mask on the speakers because I got the Rona. <laughs> it is a, another wonderful episode of the Loftus Party Podcast. And I'm, I guess, uh, here's the weird thing, Gimlet. I, first of all, mm-hmm. I want to know how you're doing because we missed you last week. You were on your uh, your your grand Gimlet uh, hillbilly getaway, right? Um, yup, yep, Redneck Riviera. Sweet. How was that? It was great. Uh, found a lot of dive bars. Um, actually, like super interesting. I like going to history places, right? Like historical sites. Yeah. Um, yes. I think that most people just call them history places. Okay. Can I just, okay. Everybody's just going to have, I'm on some medication that makes me a little lightheaded. So if I seem a little distracted, I apologize in advance. Um, anyway, so we went to, to the USS Alabama and then, uh, um, I forget the name of the submarine that's next to it. And you're like okay. walking through this ship that sailed in World War II, and you're looking at all these little rooms and how they put like an entire ecosystem with tailors and machine shops and cooks and butchers, like on a floating thing. And you're like, how, A, how did they do this? And yeah. B, there's nobody who could live like this today under the duress that the men who did on that boat. I, I, yeah. I, I was just, I was blown away. Blown away. Yeah, there's a, a, a good friend of mine was on a, uh, a submarine crew for a, for a good long time. And that is uh, the, 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 the use of space and the economy and, oh, this is your bunk, but mm-hmm. you flip this up and then under there, there's a desk and da-da-da. it's pretty ingenious. Uh, yep. Pretty ingenious what they did. Especially, gee, we're talking like 1940, 1942. Uh, okay. God bless those dudes. They were tough, tougher than these, tougher than these punks we got in there now. So you Absolutely. had a, you had a good time at the history places. Yeah, and then I, I, um, I became familiar with something called swamp sauce, which I think everybody who likes seafood should become familiar with. Okay, I'm intrigued now. I'm intrigued with the swamp yeah. sauce. Swamp yeah, sauce it's... sounds like something you get out of your underwear after gym. In the no, no, it, it, <laughs> it's a little bit of gator, a little bit of crawfish, a little bit of Gulf shrimp, a little bit of um, what's this? Uh, andouille, um, yeah. some spice, some Cajun spices, and some cheese and. You put it on top of jambalaya, and it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Oh, because I was was like, that sounds like jambalaya, but you put it on top of jambalaya. Yeah, well, you get the dirty rice and the shrimp and the the sausage, and then you get this extra sauce on top. Ooh, I could (laughs) murder that right now. I did several times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's the deal with me. Big fan of Cajun food. So. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. My, uh, my, uh, my taste buds, my sense of taste, and my sense of smell, uh, left the building uh, right around Tuesday, right around last Tuesday. Oh, so and you got the? Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's here's so, and then we'll get back to the jambalaya. It's crazy. Like that sounds so. Du- I have been going. Uh, 
like I have some stupid notion in my head that I can like jumpstart my sense of smell and taste uh, by using hot sauce and hot peppers. Cause that's normally how it goes. You know, like if you have a head cold, mm-hmm. you, you can usually go, okay, uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to start chowing down on some, you know, some spicy foods and it's just going to, the, the dam will burst and my nose is going to start running and blah, 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 blah. Like that doesn't happen. It's the craziest thing. That's not the craziest thing, but it's an odd thing. But like I went hardcore the other night, like with massive amounts of hot sauce and jalapenos and my body's just like, yep, whatever, <laughs> whatever. So, to be clear, to be clear, this is a side effect of the Rona, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that means you got the Delta Rona. Oh, yeah? Well, they're saying Omicron, if you're listening to the doctors in South Africa and places where it's pretty much dominant at this point, they're like, yeah, you're not seeing the triad of shortness of breath, um, loss of taste and smell and fever. You're just like not seeing that. Huh. Okay, so so here's what happened, everybody. Uh, I was not feeling uh, 100% last Monday, last Monday. You get, you know, you know your body. You're like, uh oh, sounds feels like something's trying to get a hold. Something sounds like something's trying to, you know, I was a little achy, but nothing bad. A little stuffy, but nothing bad. Like no fever. I'm just like, mm, something's trying to get a hold of me. And then Tuesday were like some some aches in in uh, my legs and my upper back, like between my shoulder blades. And I'm like, uh oh, here we go. And then I could feel like a little tiny bit of a fever. So I went in and I did the uh, the rapid test. I did the rapid mm-hmm. test and I got the results and it's like, you know, bing, bang, positive. You got the Rona. You got the Rona. And it was just. It was th- that same day that like the, the sense of smell and taste were just gone, which was very odd. Then I had a little fever. Nothing bad. I got up to like uh, 99.9. And then uh, and then by Wednesday, though, Wednesday, I woke up and I was like, boink. I'm I felt like 80 percent better. It was crazy. Like no more fever. Blah, 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 blah. But it's now been let me let me count the days. We got we got Monday, Tuesday. Blah, blah, blah. I'm on day. Uh, I'm on day six of this thing. And it's like I've I've achieved uh, a level of wellness, but I just can't get over the top. Just can't get over the top. I'm highly functional. I can do stuff. I did a live stream the other night. That was fine. Uh, I'm not exhausted, but it's just it's like the sense of taste and smell. And I, I'm, a, I'm a little stuffy, but uh, mm-hmm. I guess I got off lucky, huh? Well, you got off lucky, sure. Um, but, you know, I mean, you're relatively young you're on the younger end you take relatively good care of yourself you're a healthy weight i mean like you probably had the experience that most people in your age range who are in a healthy weight and aren't diabetic or have another serious comorbidity have had unfortunately the media never tells you that and everybody has the same risk of dying once they catch the rona yeah I yeah, mean, most that's... of the people that I know had it. The older people generally got the monoclonal antibodies once they were available. 
which sped up the healing, you know. Um, Most of the people I know are listening to the doctors that tell you, keep up your zinc, keep up your vitamin D, keep up your vitamin C, you know, get some sunshine, get some exercise. So they're kind of in the best shape they're going to be in to get this thing. Yeah. You know, uh, here's what I'd like to know. And, uh, and, and so uh, the, the state in which I am, uh, which is Rona positive. Oh, and then, oh my gosh, I, I tested, I took a, I took another test uh, yesterday, negative, which whatever. That's great. Really? You think so? Well, I mean, you had, did you take a rapid test? Yeah. Okay. There has to be a pretty, with the rapid test, there is less sensitive than the PCR test. Yeah. So the PCR test will like magnify any little tiny viral protein in your nose. So we know there were probably millions of false positives with those tests, right? Yeah. Um, whereas the, the rapid test is less sensitive and picking up bigger viral loads. So if your viral load is declining, which it generally does after day five. Okay. Then you're not contagious anymore you're you're most contagious um according to everything i've read uh, about 24 hours before you start to feel really punky like before you lose your taste and smell kind of when you had those non-specific symptoms just a little tired that's when that's when you're most contagious and that's not that's not unusual it's the same with the flu right right you're most contagious when you're just feeling kind of punky Right. Well, let me. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. And then it let goes down this. from there once your body fights off the virus. Yeah. But here's the weird. Here's like here's the weird thing. It's like I, I it feels like the battle is still raging. Like, I still, I don't know. I'm like, I feel like I'm not I'm not worried or anything. I'm just like I, I'm ready to I'm ready to wake up without a stuffy nose. Uh, now, I have a question. Well, about. Yeah. Now I had, I had the Wuhan version, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I was blowing stuff out of my nose in such voluminous amounts that, like, I literally thought brains were going to start coming with it. I mean, it was Ooh. just an endless stream of, like, I was going through like a box and a half of Kleenex with lotion a day. Dying for like a week. And then I had the the dry cough and the shortness of breath that was that was typical of that variant. Um, and I was probably didn't feel like completely right for about six weeks after I was sort of back to normal. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now here's the weird one. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not producing a bunch of like. It's like I can feel it in my sinuses, blah 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 blah. But like I'm not blowing my nose like crazy. It's just yeah, no, that wasn't like a brick. That wasn't part of Delta. Like there was a period of time, like the big almost everybody, not everyone who got the original variant lost their taste and smell. Almost everyone who got the Delta variant did. So there's like a different bunch of symptoms, and that's what they're saying about Omicron now. So like Omicron replicates in your throat, in your nose, in your upper airway. 
yeah. and doesn't get down into your lungs. So that's why they're surmising they're seeing less severe illness because it's once it gets down into your lungs that it triggers that big inflammatory response that's really hard for the elderly and frail to overcome. So mm -hmm. um, that would be more typical of what the rest of the human coronaviruses do with the typical cold. They stay up in your nose and your sinuses and your your upper airways. Okay. Now I need to ask you this because I don't mm -hmm. know and I'm not going to Google it right now because I'm lazy. Um, the the monoclonal antibodies, the monoclonal, yeah. like everybody, that's the that's the Joe Rogan, that's the Dana White, that's the mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers, that's the everybody. Yes. Where do those come from? Those come from people who've already had it, right? No. Is what? Yeah, that's what I don't know. What What are those things? No, they're um, they're basically harvested from um, what do you call them? Oh dear God, stem cells, <laughs> and then they um, produce them and then continue to grow them in cultures. So it's it's. It, it's a manufactured thing. They've been used for years for anti um, or autoimmune disorders like MS and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, so this was a new application of an older technology. But no, the, the ones that come from hum humans are um, called plasma, convalescent plasma. Um, right. And the reason they can't really use that anymore is because so many people who recovered then got vaccinated um, and you can't use the antibodies once somebody has been vaccinated. OK, so is there a. Uh, so is there like a finite amount of these things or they can just can they just churn them out? They can just churn them out and it irritates me to no end that they have not. Okay, so there you go. That's what I that's what I was uh, getting to. I, I I looked it up a little bit here as as we were talking, but like in the in the state of Ohio, where I where mm -hmm. I am right now, they're like, hey, you could uh, you can come on in and get some uh, monoclonal antibodies. You just gotta mm -hmm. qualify, and like the list of qualifiers on this thing is like there, there there's no way. There's like it's. <laughs> If you if you qualify for these things, you got you got some real issues. You got some real issues going on. Well, here. I mean, in Georgia, the last time I looked, anybody over the age of sixty five can ha or sixty five or older can have them. Yes. If you have a BMI over twenty nine, I think. Yeah. So that I mean, and lots of people have BMIs over twenty nine. I mean, you don't have to yeah. be morbidly obese to have that, right? Well, um, I just somebody's got to be keeping track of this. Now, here's here's what I'm. No, thinking. well, that's what that's what happens when when Ron DeSantis got smart and said, wait, we have this treatment. Why aren't we using this treatment everywhere? We're having a surge. And he started doing the infusion centers. Yeah. The federal government pulled back distribution to you can only get them through the federal government. You can't order them from the manufacturers anymore. And they actually have restricted supply. That so of course, is, yes. That is the most insane thing ever. If there's no 
uh, you know, it's not like it's not like it's made out of uh, uh, kryptonite and there's just a no. finite amount of it. If they can nope. if they can be cranking this treatment out uh, for the love of God, start cranking, if, start cranking. If you, if you were ever going to use the Defense Production Act, right? Yeah. To force manufacturers to make something. When Delta was raging through the Southeast, you would have forced manufacturers to make those antibodies 24-7, expand their plant, whatever you had to do. They are life-saving treatment, and the vaccinated and the unvaccinated both require them. Okay? So this was not about just treating the unvaccinated, and I don't know what it is, and I'll tell you the most interesting interview I have seen as of late is with Dr. Peter... Dr. Peter McCullough and Joe Rogan. Yeah, I'm hearing uh, uh, I'm hearing lots of what did what was your takeaway from that? What was your what was your I haven't had a chance. I've been uh, I've been busy. <laughs> my takeaway from that is the thing that has bothered me about this since day one. And we've talked about it a lot on this show. I've written a lot about it. There is nothing about the response to this pandemic that is aligned with anything I was ever taught about basic public health and infectious disease in my education. I love it. Hold up. Hold up. This is where we, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, it's going to, we're going to continue with the Christmas Rona special. (laughs) And this is what we're going to talk about because I've been, listen, I got the Rona. I got the Wuhan. I've been thinking about it a lot, too, and I know just the way you teased it is perfect. That's what we're coming back with. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 1-800-516-7602 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-7602 to take your call right now. Call 1-800-516-7602. That's 1-800-516-7602. Again, 1-800-516-7602. We're back as promised. We're gonna we're we're diving into the the, the government reaction to this thing. The, this uh, this this Wuhan, this Rona, this uh, COVID nineteen. It uh, it makes zero sense. It makes zero sense. So we're gonna complain about that because I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been having. You got a lot of time to think. 
you know what? Because I'm not I'm not going out and about. I don't want to infect people. I don't want to be that guy. So uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of thinking on this. And uh, here's the here here's what jumps out at me. And then we'll and then I'm gonna ask you what what jumps out at you. But like when when the animals get it. When you got uh, when you got the the tigers in the zoo getting the rona, you got the 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 deer with the rona. You got you got. There's no way you can vaccinate out of that. There's no way you can vaccinate out of that. Just gonna keep coming around, keep coming around. The vaccine makes zero sense. Zero sense to me. Boom. None. Yes. Well, and zero. if you look now, it, 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 all of a sudden it seems to me. That some doctors who have been lukewarm, right? Like, get yeah. the vaccine if you're elderly. It might not be a bad idea if you're younger. Da, 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 da. We're not like like Dr. Marty McCari and, and a couple other people. All of a sudden, they're coming out and saying things like, uh, look what we're seeing with these myocarditis cases. Uh, look what we're seeing here. Let me, let's, let's take this a little more seriously. Um, you know, there's been things put out now about the political influence and chronology on the vaccination and booster policy. The Atlantic has put out a complete destruction of, of the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, and her push for masks. I mean, like, people are kind of starting to come out of the woodwork now. Where, uh, yeah. where they were really quiet for a while. And I think when you have somebody, like, Dr. Peter McCullough went on Joe Rogan. Right. And Dr. Mm -hmm. Peter McCullough has been a proponent. So one of the things I said was this has violated everything I was ever taught. Right. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's incomprehensible to me. As a nurse, and I, it, it, I can't believe most doctors don't feel the same, that you would have a patient come to you. In distress and you would send them home. And tell them to come back when their lips were blue. I mean, that's yeah. really what we were doing. Yeah. And and if you know, once we understood what COVID did, which give you an upper respiratory, you know, signs, symptoms of a cold, sore throat, lose your taste and smell. And then it some people get better after that, right? Other people progress into an inflammatory stage. You need we have drugs to treat all these things. And yeah. one of the things Peter McCullough points out, Dr. McCullough points out, is there is no medical school that has a treatment protocol. Like none of our 300 medical schools developed a treatment protocol for COVID-19. Now, if you know anything about medical schools, this is their bread and butter. Mm -hmm. This is their showcase. These are our treatment protocols. And here is our success rate. Right. Yes. Why? Why in the world did that not happen? My only uh, maybe that's a rhetorical question, but it, it, it would seem to me like so they can just keep pushing the vaccine. But it took it, us a year to get the vaccine. How how many people died? Yeah, that's a that's a, a very good question. That's a and very it, even if. 
even if you look at when the EUA, I want to say the EUA for um, monoclonal antibodies was given in like, it was shortly after Trump took them. Yeah. It was like in November or December. Nobody heard of them in, in the larger population. I mean, I was a huge proponent. I knew where to get them if somebody I loved needed them because I was following the, the news, right? And I'm looking at things that most people don't look at. But once Delta really started to hit, nobody was talking about monoclonal antibodies until DeSantis did the program. How many Correct. people missed out on getting that treatment because nobody ever talked about it? It's you can we could make ginormous lists of the shit no one talked about. Mm-hmm. Like like China, for the love of God, can we can we please at least sue them for this shit? I'm I'm not I'm not even kidding for like the loss of work, pain and suffering, mental anguish, whatever. But like it is I was going off on this like last week, especially after like uh, uh, Pearl Harbor, you know, it was Pearl Harbor Day. Remember Pearl Harbor and remember, remember, remember. Holy crap. Here's my takeaway from Pearl Harbor. My my takeaway from Pearl Harbor is the same one as uh, as September 11th. People are capable of acts of incredible evil, of incredible evil. Don't forget the Holocaust because people are capable of acts of incredible evil. Mm-hmm. That the that this administration hasn't even they do not even seem interested at all in finding out where this thing came from and how can we prevent it from happening again. Freaking Sleepy Joe was asked a question from the reporter. Hey, are you going to look into China? About And he laughed. He laughed when asked about it. OK, I got to talk about this, because as as you, you were talking about uh, uh, the doctor dude on on Rogan, and I remembered you talking about uh, the Great Barrington Declaration, right? Yes. Yes. OK, so somebody got a hold of some emails mm-hmm. and, and has released them. I have one in front of me right now. And this yeah, is I, know. From, I can't find the source. It's driving me nuts. Who who's who supposedly released them? Or are they I just don't out know. There? That's what I can't find. Ooh, okay. So I'm gonna read this. We can either confirm nor deny that it's real, but it's very <laughs> it's very suspect. So supposedly this is from a uh, a Francis Collins from the National National Institute of Health, uh, and he's writing to uh, Tony Fauci and somebody else, and he says uh, supposedly, um, if this is genuine, yikes! If it's not genuine, whatever, it's uh, it is what it is. But this this email says, "Hi Tony and Cliff, uh, this proposal from the three fringe epidemiologists who met with the secretary seems to be getting a lot of attention." and even a co-signature from Nobel Prize winner Mike Levitt at Stanford. There needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown of its premises. I don't see anything like that online yet. Is it underway, Francis? Now, if that's real, that is super-de-duper smoking gun terrifying. My understanding is it's real. I'm still looking for the source. I, I have not found it, so yeah. if I find it, I will I will put it out on my Twitter timeline. Um, but it's supposedly it's part of a, a larger document drop. 
like a yeah. larger FOIA request. So it could be Judicial Watch. It could be one of the other organizations. I'm just not sure. But here's the thing. The three doctors, Sinatra Gupta, um, Martin Kuldorf, and Jay Bhattacharya, who developed the Great Barrington Declaration, are referred to as fringe epidemiologists. Gupta yeah. is from Oxford University, largely regarded pre-pandemic as the top epidemiologist in the world. Yes. Levitt, who signed on, is a Nobel Prize winner. Okay. Martin Kulldorff has worked with the NIH and the CDC, helped develop theirs, and has done vaccine research for the agencies. And Bhattacharya is a global health policy expert who has worked in other countries to reduce disease and poverty and is exceptionally well-known. These are not fringe people. They're from the top universities in the country. Harvard, Oxford, Stanford. Are you kidding me? It's, uh, it's. But I'm supposed to believe a a 50-year bureaucrat who hasn't seen a patient in four decades? Yeah, it's, it's horrible. This, uh, boy, I tell you, uh, I'm going to be thrilled uh, when, I, when I have proof that I have the antibodies. Uh, but I tell you, to, to ignore possible treatments and to actively discourage possible treatments, even ones that show, uh, you know, some promise. And, and like you were talking about earlier, the deafening silence from medical schools of, hey, here's the way we've been treating it and here's our success. Like to have no one working on that. It's, they've just, it seems like they're, they're just greasing the skids to make sure everybody get the jab, get the jab. Oh my God. And the commercials for the jab now have reached unbelievable amounts of like, I saw one, the Pentatonics are doing, it's just, you. Okay, can I just, why would you keep getting this crap stuck in you when it doesn't work? Like, you guys, if it worked, I would totally get it. I would totally get it. But it's like, oh, you got the jab? Okay. Well, you got to get the second jab before it really works. Like, oh, no, you're not, not need the third jab because you might get this and you might get that. Listen, they're, they're, they're pushing this thing way too hard. For something that doesn't work, they're pushing way too hard. Here is the one that's really bugging me now. The one with the Jonas Brothers? No, I could care less about the Jonas Brothers. (laughs) They have a pro Um, jab. Well, that's kind of like the Fauci ouchie with that girl that wears the six-inch heels. You know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... Now they're saying the vaccines are still preventing hospitalization and death. If you look at the countries where this variant emerged, they have exceptionally low vaccination rates and the hospitalization rates dropped 91% compared to the other variants. Do not tell me and do not try to convince me that it's these fucking vaccines that are preventing hospitalizations and deaths. 
This variant stays in your upper airways. It does not trigger the inflammatory response according to all available data. And chances are, if you catch it, you're not going to die anyway or need to go to the hospital. Well, that's what that uh, that doctor from South Africa who di- who discovered the Omicron. She's like, yeah, so I guess it's not that bad. And you don't even go to the hospital. It's just like mild flu. That's what I was thinking. Well, we should be having Omicron parties. Like, don't lock down. Let's spread Omicron like freaking confetti. Like, <laughs> if want- you're going to get... If you're going to get COVID, Omicron's a good one to get. Seriously. If we, would just, if we would literally just stop with the bullshit vaccines, stop the boosters, and let Omicron run its course, you know what Omicron would become? The next seasonal uh, cold that circulates every F in the air. Stop pressuring the virus. Yeah. This thing is hugely transmissible. You do not want it to get more virulent. And the only thing you're going to do by continuing to boost and continuing to vaccinate is put more pressure on this thing. Like a pimple. Exactly. Well, I mean, if you think about it, so, so like, think about it. I'm going to do a video game analogy, right? So if you, if you're playing video games online and you're playing against competitors who all use the same defensive moves, how many different ways are you going to find to get around those moves? Dig it. If they never change, right? And then I'll be an unstoppable killing machine. Then you'll be an unstoppable killing machine, okay? So if you go in and you have a bunch of people who use different methods, then you're going to constantly be challenged, right? And so you can't really train yourself to do one thing really well. Okay, virus, same thing. If it goes into a population and everybody's body responds to it a little bit differently, right? Then the virus kind of settles down and it does what it does. And yes, if it's a new virus, it's probably going to be more virulent to some segment of the population until it just calms down, right? And that's tragic, but we should be working on therapeutics, getting people symptom relief, et cetera, et cetera, which we never did. We just completely ignored. Okay. Now, if you go stick a jab from an outdated freaking spike protein into everybody, then everybody's going to be fighting this thing the same way. And this virus is going to get really good at evading that way of fighting it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's why we should have Omicron parties. This whole thing that the unvaccinated are breeding variants is just bullshit. Yes. Yes. It is the most anti-science thing ever. They are morons. And every time Joe Biden says the pandemic of the unvaccinated, I just want to scream. (laughs) He's a, uh, oh my gosh, he's a moron. He's a moron. Yeah. And he's not the president. We got We're gonna have to. No. We're gonna have to take a little break. We gotta uh, go into uh, what's on the web with Paul. But over on Patreon, there was a, a very, very. We'll talk about this. It's like <laughs> such common knowledge, you guys. There's this. Uh, there's this uh, radio host, uh, Charlemagne the God, uh, and I guess he has a show on Comedy Central now, because mm-hmm. that's what you do. Because that's what you do. And he had Kamalala Ding Dong on. And he was kind of joking, but he's like, so who's the real president? (laughs) (laughs) Did you see the clip? I did. Oh, it was great. It was great. 
Okay, so uh, we're going to take a break. We're coming back with a a fantastic What's on the Web with Paul. And then everybody uh, rejoin over on on, uh, Patreon for some fantastic odds and ends and other wonderful discussions. Get to Kohl's and take an extra 25% off Adidas for the entire family. Plus, with an extra 15% off, get up to 50% off the big one betting. And save on Nike athletic shoes for kids. Plus, get Kohl's cash. Plus, limited contact store drive up. Right now at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Offers valid July 17th through July 26th. 15% offer with promo code Big Savings. 25% off Adidas. Offers and coupons do not apply. Select styles. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. This is Derek's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. After the third time jump-starting my car, I finally realized my battery was dying. So I stopped by O'Reilly to have it checked. They tested it right there in the parking lot. It was bad, real bad. But they helped me find the right battery for my car and even installed it for free. Now my car starts like new. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We got to do it. You know, we got to do it. We got to talk about what's on the web with Paul. Paul, dude, how you doing, buddy? Good. Only a few more days till the start of winter, and then the days start getting longer. Yeah, right? That is uh, every year. Every year. I kind of like uh, hang my emotional hat on that one. That is uh, usually it's around December 21st, I believe. I think that's when the start of winter is, so technically it would be the 22nd when the days would start getting longer. Yeah, yeah, but that's uh, that's always a that's always a good one. That's when the that's when the hope begins to spring again. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's just jump right into it. Let's make the most of what is on the web. So we got some good stuff as always. So we can start with an entertainment post that also kind of hit, made it into the political realm and what all the political junkies like to talk about. So it was. A viral topic, and it did very well on the website. HBO Max's Santa Inc. is horrible, and nobody likes it, so why did they make it? And that was a post that you wrote. And my short summary of that post is, it's horrible because they wanted it to be horrible. But you can expand on that further. Well, that's really what my my takeaway from it was, too. Like, the only reason, it's like death by a thousand cuts. So... I don't know who they thought there, – there's no appeal for this thing. There's no appeal for it. I went and I watched a couple of videos where they reviewed it. They showed clips, and you know, I, I certainly didn't watch the show. But like from the, from the general plot and from the style of joke that I was looking at, there's no way. If you're an executive, if you're an executive, you know this thing is a dog. You know it's a dog and, and that the, the blowback is going to be huge. So I think the only reason to do it is just to establish a toehold. Like, oh, yeah, we do these uh, edgy things and we know we're going to lose money. And it's I, I think it's just to encourage the anti-Christmas crowd. Hey, look, look, we don't like it. We don't like it. And then 
then there will be more. And then all of a sudden you'll have two programs like this and then you'll have three and it's just it's death by a thousand cuts and somebody just has to start. Somebody just has to to jump in the the character designs are, are so like nasty. It's visually unappealing. The jokes are lame. The it's just it's just it's like mean for the sake of mean. Uh, and I, I I really found it uh, disturbing and depressing. Yeah, and and they're like you said in there. They well, you summarized what you wrote, so I'll just expand on a little bit. They're intentionally doing it. They don't care. You've heard the saying, "Go get woke, go broke." Well, that's not. Yeah. They don't care. They don't care about that. They're going to still go more and more woke. Um, everybody always used to say, "Well." Yeah, eventually they're going to have to worry about the when they see people aren't buying their stuff or watching their stuff anymore, they're going to care about the pocketbook and then they'll start making good stuff again. That's not true. They don't care about that. They they basically have an endless supply of money anyway. No matter how much, you know, bad stuff they put out, they're always going to have money to, you know, keep on going. Yes. Yes. And I I really feel like the only thing that we can do is like like keeping a toehold you know, keeping one eye on what's going on and just celebrate the stuff that isn't woke and just just sound the the like just stay away stay away from this. Just let people know this is just horrible. Exactly. <laughs> that's all we that's all we can do. And like and try to support uh other creators like you know, like Nick Searcy. And <laughs> that's it. That's it. But wow, it that was a the that that Santa Inc. just Un- unbelievable there was another one that uh i can't i don't know if it was netflix or, or or who but they did this one about american history and it was about the founding fathers and it was like supposedly this wacky cartoon and blah 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 and i tried to watch that when it came out i just wanted to see and dude i made it for like 20 minutes and it was just just absolutely horrible and just mean for the sake of mean we're gonna tear down for the sake of tearing down and that seems that's that's a a super disturbing trend a super disturbing trend and if you're gonna do this stuff for the love of god please just be funny just be funny it's not even funny whoo okay gonna scamper on that'll allow us to segue into something which which we're hinting at which is Tell what's going wrong, but then also make the good stuff. So we're going to go to the Dr. Fauci show, which is the latest sketch from that show tonight that's been posted online. And I'll give a quick summary of it. When it started out, I saw that you were you were you were Dr. Fauci, and I was thinking, <laughs> why is he just there wearing his regular clothes? He should be in you know, like at least a white lab coat. Then I figured out, oh, this was one of the live skits that was done at the America First Warehouse in New York, correct? Yeah. Or on Long yeah. Island, I should say Long Island in Long Island, like, okay, got it. So this is being done live. And once they brought in Jake, I guess it's Jake Iron Reno, Iron Reno, correct? Yeah, yeah. Bring him in. And once he had, you know, coming in with a wig, and then once he sits down and starts talking, it takes off right from there. That's where, <laughs> that's where the, this was, if not the funniest one. I like the Democratica fake commercial. I remember that one that you guys did? Yeah, yeah. I like that one too. I think there was another one that I really enjoyed but this is at the very top as well so the dr fauci show and you people have to go to the website to watch it because you know describing what happens <laughs> is not the point watching the actual skit the point but you can talk a little bit more about it too 
it's just listen it's uh that one is all my buddy jake he, he just wanted to do a self a self-taught safety expert who uh it give gives people that that's why my co- that's why my costume was so lame well it's done live too if you were doing it where it's not an audience there, that's one thing. But when you're doing it in front of an audience, that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. But he just had this idea, you know, for a skit where he would do a self-described safety expert and give people tips and tricks, like how to be really safe when you go out to avoid the Rona. So I just pretty much introduced him. I think I asked like three questions. <laughs> well, you had the you had the Dr. Fauci voice. People have to go to watch your, listen to your Dr. Fauci voice because that was spot on too. Ah, uh, that was fun. That was fun. It was just like the the part that made me there's there's many parts that make me laugh. But in the intro, it's like, I'm Dr. Anthony Fauci. A few weeks ago, they came to me and asked if I would do a TV show. That's what I said. Yes. (laughs) The axed. That's that's all right. I heard the axed. Like like he would ever say no. Like he would ever say no. Like that dude would do anything. All right, so I'm glad you guys. Yeah, make sure you check out that tip. Uh, that that that's that's get there's funny stuff, and make sure you're you're also going to uh, uh, thatshowtonight.com, and then uh, we got we got some big we got some big that show tonight uh, news coming up uh, next week. Next week it'll be happening. Good, and then Jake's name on the skit, of course, was Stephen Science Stevenson. So that was another it, thing yes, to look yes. out for. The S stands for science. It also stands for safety. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> All right. So the people in the audience enjoyed it. You can hear them laughing the entire time. Check it out, everybody. So speaking oh, of comedy, speaking of comedy, we've got another post written by Michael. This one is someone animated Dave Chappelle's Jesse Smollett bit, and it's pretty damn funny. And, and one of the things, excuse me, just a minute. Choking. He's choking. Yes, Somebody give, choking. give Paul the Heimlich. Yes. So you got a bunch of trending topics here. You got Jesse Smollett. So people were still interested in hearing about that disaster. And then Dave Chappelle, who's, of course, going through his own story with uh, people going after him. So you put those two together. And plus, it's an animated uh, a little animation thrown in. And everybody likes that. And it's just it literally is just an animation of his bit on Jesse Smollett. And yeah. wanted to hear more what you thought about that. Well, it's like people have been trying to do this for a long time. The, the idea of animating a stand-up bit uh, is 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 nothing new under the sun. But what stood out for me for this one, it it's the ridiculousness of the story, just of of the Jussie Smollett story, right? That 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 lends itself to animation. I mean, it's just so <laughs> ridiculous. And then it's the way uh, Chappelle, it, it's his bit that is just so funny too. Cause it, it just starts off with him as like, you know, I just don't wanna, I just don't wanna be attacked. I just don't wanna be attacked. You guys heard what happened to that famous French actor and the, and the audience is just quiet. They don't know what happened with that famous French actor. And then he's like, you know, uh, uh, Jose Smollett. And then they, that's where it just begins. And then, it's just it's a well it's a it's a great piece of stand up on its own. But then when he starts talking about how cold it was in Chicago and then the two white guys waiting and the bleach and the subway sandwich, it's just it's hilarious. So we got to we got to give it up. We got to give it up uh, for the for the cartoon version 
of of Chappelle's Jesse Smollett. And as far as I know, him and his his crowd, meaning Jesse, they are not backing down. I mean, there, there apparently is no shame there. They're just still going to go straight forward with it. You know, it still happens. They don't care what the the court ruling was. They're not. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. not gonna. Uh, they're not gonna admit they're wrong, and I think they're gonna probably uh, still have a lot of support. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the great thing of deny, deny, deny. You know, you'll have people who are still on your side. I'm surprised that no one has charged uh, Jussie with with perjury. Like, isn't there like shouldn't there be some charges brought? I don't know. Uh, however, it just it's the kind of thing that des- desperately needs to be mocked. And so I'm going to help out people as they mock. <laughs> yep. So people can watch that, of course, at the website. Like I said, yeah. it's something you have to watch. Go to the website. Lockdownparty.com. Yes. So the next thing is everything you need to know before season two of The Witcher. And this is a video that summarizes season one. And I think you said you haven't started season two yet, but I also know that you like The Witcher. So I wanted to hear more about that. Well, OK, so. Um, the Witcher, in in my opinion, uh, well, well, it's not the perfect equal and opposite. It's like it's the uh, anti uh, cowboy bebop when they when they did The Witcher, and and I have like a lot of problems with season one in terms of the production, in terms of the costumes, and ba 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 ba. However. All of that is forgivable. The sets, some they have to figure out where they're spending their money. They need to make some adjustments. But they stayed true to the character, all the characters. They just, they gave the fans what they want. And then you're going to also get new fans. For all the, like, the little piddly this and that and my little complaints with the Caesar, the season one, of the Witcher, I'm totally stoked for season two, and I know what happens. I've read the books, ba 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 ba, and for for the for all, there, there's still a great weeping and gnashing of teeth over uh, over Cowboy uh, Bebop. But it, you guys, and, and this is the thing that drives me crazy, because uh, I know you like this reviewer, this guy, uh, the critical drinker, and I, I watched his review of Cowboy Bebop. Now, granted, he hasn't finished watching the anime. But he's he's there's a growing chorus of voices in the YouTube community of people going, don't even try to adapt an anime. Don't even try. You can't do it. You can't. It can't be done. Don't even try. And that is the biggest crock of bullshit ever. Any any Pete, like, why could you not? And this whole don't even try like it's impossible. It's the easiest thing on the planet. It's the easiest thing on the planet. All your shots are already lined up. The story's the story's already written. You know who the characters are. Adapting an anime for live action is the easiest shit on planet Earth. It's really that easy. It's all, they've already written the scripts for Christ's sake. Just put the camera where they did it. Oh, it drives me crazy. So you. You're not one of the yeah. So I mean, I guess I kind of agree with that. I don't I don't understand the, the the logic behind why they wouldn't be able to adapt it either. Like, um, I guess I was reading one reviewer they saying, well, with Faye Valentine, they could have 
but maybe it was the critical drinker who was saying that I don't remember, or it could have been somebody else saying the costume really wasn't practical. They just went about um, reacting to the that fans. That drove me crazy way. too. That drove me crazy too. And I like the critical drinker. I like that guy's take. This is the first time I've really ever disagreed with him. He's like, in terms of the Faye Valentine costume, yeah, it is a little impractical. It is. And I'm like, shut up. Have you ever worked in television? Here's what happens. You can you you can tape the costume together. And when she goes to do the backflip, if all of a sudden her boob pops out, you go, cut. We need more tape on her boob. And then you roll cameras again. Like, it's not like it's a Broadway show and you have to do it live in front of everybody. It's like it's costumes. It's 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 cinema magic. You're allowed to say cut and then you fix it and then you roll again. Yeah, that the one thing I was thinking of is I never liked the design for Mystique in the X-Men movies. But the bottom line is you had Rebecca Romaine naked for the entire movie. That was yeah. her cost. That was her costume. So I was thinking, I mean, if you really wanted to keep the cartoon or the anime costume in, you could have figured out a way to do that. Not that I really care, but I was thinking I didn't, I didn't really buy that logic one way what he was saying. Here's, here's the deal with the costume. Here's the deal with the costume. It speaks to her character. It is a, in, in my opinion, this is how I would have tackled it, by wearing that, it, it, it exudes either a real confidence or a false confidence with her. I would say it's a false confidence, you know, Oh, look, and, and she, she never draws attention to it, but it's, she's definitely a character who knows that she's visually sexually appealing. And she uses that. She definitely uses her feminine wiles to try to get what she wants. So the, the, the thing for the actor, the thing for the showrunner, the thing for the writers to use is like, so why would she dress like this? Once you put her in a rocketeer jacket and some freaking uh, crazy riding, uh, horse riding pants, you've changed the character. You've changed the character. The way you dress helps define you. So when that was the first big red alert for me. They've changed the way she dresses. Okay, so then you might as well just make her uh, a lesbian. Oh, my God, they did. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and I keep going back to the technical aspects, too. I'm thinking of also of uh, Lilu, which was played yes. by Mila Jovovich in The Fifth Element. They gave her the, the bandage costume or clothing that <laughs> yes. she wore at the start. And she was, that was, she was performing action scenes the entire time. She yes. and her stunt doubles or stand-ins were performing action scenes the entire time. So it could have done it. Um, yes. Conan the Barbarian fought in a loincloth. So, I mean, um, there's that as well. And I'll, I'll tell you this right now. You give me, I'll say this publicly. You give me the production team from Cowboy Bebop. You give me the special effects team. You give me the, uh, the, uh, the art department. You give me everything. And I will... Uh, change some of the cast members out, but I will do an adaptation of that show and it would be a hit, an absolute hit. Well, maybe they, didn't want, maybe they didn't want it to be a hit. Maybe they were gone Santa Inc. I don't know. Here's what it is, dude. It's elitist snobbery douchebags. People look at 
at at anime and they go, oh, it's a cartoon. Ergo, it must be less than everything else. They simply can't wrap their head around, wow, this might be a really good story. This might be touching on some really deep issues. Yes, there's there's a there's an appeal uh, for teenagers, but there's also as a grown man, you're like, dang, there there, there there's some deep issues there. There's like there's a lot of meat on them bones with most anime, most good anime. I mean, you know, you can always have your uh, here's a bunch of fighting robots, which is just like kind of popcorn, you know, Power Rangers crap. However, there's some really heart. There is a there is a scene. There's an episode of Cowboy Bebop that is one of the most tragic, sad, emotional pieces of television I've ever witnessed. And the way they handled it was was smart and it was beautiful and it was just like it was just absolutely the best. And uh, these guys, these elitists, they're like, that's a cartoon. Let's make it silly. Ooh, more jokes. Blah blah. It's just an anime. And if you can't, there's a there's a phrase uh, that a, a writer friend of mine told me about. He's been around the block for long. Find the God in the garbage. You're like, oh, this is horrible. This is horrible. Well, if you think it's horrible, it's going to be horrible. If you treat it as though it's just garbage, it will be garbage. However, if you elevate it and really embrace it and you find uh, the God in the garbage, you can do something wonderful. Every single time. It's not that hard. All right. Guess we have to move on. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, don't look up. Jordan wrote a post at the website about don't look up. This, for people who don't know, and probably no one knows because this movie looks terrible and I don't think anybody's going to watch it. It's a climate change satire. So it's not directly about climate change. I think it's about an asteroid set to hit the Earth. And it's a who's who's of Hollywood that's all in it. And I've I don't know if I've seen any of the trailers, but just some of the still images I've seen of it makes me say, you know what, I would do everything I could to avoid watching that, even if I was in the yeah. with, you know with with other people and you're supposed to sit around together and watch a movie. I'd be like, I'm out of here. <laughs> That's what I yeah. would be like. So, do you think this is another Santa Inc. that they're making, or I guess it's supposed to be this? Isn't this supposed to be Will Ferrell's buddy who made this, who's supposed to be a comedic writer or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's Watch's guy who did the uh, the George Bush movie and is now uh, terribly important. And uh, you know, he's he's preaching to the choir. So I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't. I don't know how much money this thing is going to lose. I don't know who's doing it for scale. I don't know, but it's just like uh, uh, this guy's going to be a made man uh, at, at cocktail parties for the next uh, decade. Oh, I did the very important George Bush comedy. It was a piece, you know, good for him. That's wonderful. Oh, I did Don't Look Up. And oh, we had such a blast. And and Leo DiCaprio was a delight to work with. And it's just going to be all the, the the tropes and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I'm going to avoid this, this one like the plague. Leonardo DiCaprio, that guy annoys me. What What do you think about him? I think he's a really good actor, man. I think he's a really good actor. And he's up there. I, I'm, and this is no lie. This is no lie. He he doesn't do the the ticks. 
He doesn't do the uh, the crazy like like stutters. He doesn't do oh I'm half paralyzed. He just goes. He he plays regular people. That's what I like about him. He plays regular people. In Inception, he's just a regular dude who's gone down this rabbit hole and he's on an adventure. And uh, yeah, I I I, he's a, I got a lot of respect for for Leo DiCaprio and his abilities. He's good one at what the, he does. One of the criticisms of Johnny Depp is that he always plays the same crazy character. Do you think that's a legitimate criticism? Uh, you know what, Johnny Depp. It's you could criticize him for that, but but no, he he always finds some. It's like his thing. He's one. He's he's trying to really metamorphosize himself, and so I can respect him trying to do that. Uh, his character, like, <laughs> and I just watched it recently. Ed Wood. He's hilarious as Ed Wood. He's. I mean, it's just it's great. It's like cartoony, but it's great. And he was great as Jack Sparrow, and he was great as uh, Grindelwald. And now I'm loving that. I'm loving that. They got the the third installment of the Crimes of Grindelwald, and they they made. I know J.K. Rowling went to bat for uh, for Johnny Depp, but he lost the job. They didn't have him in the third movie because the whole thing where he's the victim of spousal abuse, and uh, yeah, so that movie's tanking right now. That movie's tanking. I still I feel bad for Johnny Depp. Ever meet him? No, no, I've never met, I've never met uh, Johnny Depp. It would be interesting. It would be very interesting to meet him. Ever meet Amber Heard? No, <laughs> don't care to. I'd rather meet, I'd rather meet Johnny than Amber. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we got it. We went so long, dude. We went so long. Uh, here's some of my favorites. I'll pick a couple favorites really quickly that you have to read. Uh, someone, there's an article out there. 12 things you should never put in your vagina. I thought it was a joke. It was legit. It was legit. So I have thoughts and I have questions about about the list of 12 things you should never put in your vagina. Such as uh, why, did any, why did anybody have to write that? I mean, that should, so, that yes, should be yes, yes. Some of them are horribly uh, naive. Uh, also, make sure you check out uh, Jen Psaki blaming big meat. For inflation, she's talking about. Uh, it's just so funny. It's just that's, so that's legitimate. I wrote that one. That's not like a ha ha ha. I make it a right. Piece. She, I mean, that's she didn't not... say the words big meat, but she did say meat conglomerate, and that's just like big pharma or big oil. Right, right. And then, um, uh, oh, and make sure you also check out uh, the best, the best fails of 2021. That's gonna make you feel good about everything. That's, that's gonna a make long feel... one too. That's a long video. It's a good one. All right, Paul, you're wonderful. Everybody, uh, enjoy the rest of your, your, your Christmas week and, and, and be kind to one another. And the Gimlet and I uh, are going to roll over to Patreon.
Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas!